Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode seven. In this episode, we are going to talk all about the development, kind of the from start to finish progression of how our students go from needing a lot of help and support with spelling to becoming independent spellers. Earlier this season, I shared a story. It was when we were talking about phonemes and graphemes about a group of teachers who were upset with another special ed team about the amount of help and the amount of support that they provided um, when kids were taking a spelling test. And at that time, I was talking about, you know, the, the staff, the special ed staff might say the sounds in a word and then the kids would you know, do their best to match the grapheme to the phoneme that the teacher or the assistant was saying. And I understand the frustration, say, from a gen ed teacher standpoint, like, well, they didn't spell the word, you said the sounds, and they wrote, wrote down what you said. Well, first, that means, hey, good job, they knew those graphemes that match the phoneme that you were saying. That's a lower level step. That's good. They're getting there. And that kind of just got the wheels turning in, well, when and how and why and what does that look like with the amount of help that you do provide to students? And then what does that look like in even just communicating that? Like, look, if this kid could say all of those sounds on their own, that's great and wonderful, but they can't. So if I say the sounds right now, we're we're just working on matching those sounds to the or the matching graphemes to the sounds that I'm saying. It's a development. They don't start off doing that. They don't just one day wake up independent. It's a process. And so that's kind of what inspired today's episode is just I want to talk about that partly to acknowledge that it it isn't something that happens overnight. It is something that we start out doing this and we practice and practice and practice. Then they can do that piece on their own and then practice, practice some more. So I also have a spelling test printable that's included in the show notes that kind of outlines on the back of the spelling test what that child did on their own. And again, that goes to, as a gen ed teacher, I understand why they were upset. I understand why they were saying, well, you can't sit and say all the sounds. Well, yeah, you're right. But we're meeting that child where they are and how can I communicate that to you so that you know, yeah, they did get an 80% or yeah, they did get a 90%, but here's why. Here's the level of support that I provided now. And later in the year, I'm hoping to provide a, a lower or a lesser level of support for that child. So let's talk a little bit about what I'm going to call the level of independence, because that is what other teachers, or that's obviously always what we're striving for, is independence. But like I said, that doesn't happen overnight. 
So initially, and I love seeing this when I first bring, usually it's a first grader. Obviously there are other students sometimes that might fit this bill, but a lot of times when I bring a new first grader into my group, they're just now beginning to understand that like, hey, when I say this sound, this is the letter that I, I put. And when I say that sound, this is the letter that I put. And just how, how do we spell words? So initially, whenever we first start, even just kind of for them to learn the routine, I, as the teacher, might be saying and pointing to their letter tiles to and producing those sounds. So if we were trying to spell the word hot, I on the table would point to the beginning, the middle, and the last sound and say those sounds. I would say, hot, and I'm just asking them to match the sounds. Now, whenever I said, a lot of times I notice this, whenever I add a new student into my group, I can be doing that for them and another student at the table who's maybe been with me a little longer, just naturally a little more independent, you know, whatever the case might be, they can be hearing those sounds and they're doing the pointing, they're doing the sound matching, they're kind of doing that, but they're still listening to me saying those sounds. If you think back to phonological awareness, we know that this is a potential weakness for some of our students. And just because it sounds like, oh, it's so easy, you split the word into smaller sounds or, you know, into the individual sounds. Yeah, that sounds all well and good, but that could be a very difficult part for your students to know and understand and do on their own. So a lot of times when I bring kids into my group, that's what they need for me. They can match the sounds, but they need me to point to those letter tiles. They need me to point to the first spot and see, hmm, what letter is going to go here? <sighs> and they're matching those sounds. Later, kind of after I've done that for them for a little bit, then they might be the ones pointing to the first, the middle, and the last sound, but I'm still making those, I'm still producing the sound for them. So for example, that same word hot, where I'm pointing for that new student, the kid who's been in my group for maybe three or four weeks might be, okay, she just said, oh, well, that letter doesn't say that, or I need a here. And they're doing that processing of beginning, middle, and end on their own. But that's a lot of multitasking to do if I'm also asking them to say the sounds. So for some of them, they, they still need me to make those, you know, to say those sounds orally. After that, let's say, okay, they're really good at doing the beginning, the middle, and the end. Sometimes then I want them to say the sounds, but again, I just said, that's a lot of multitasking. That's a lot for them to do. So maybe we switch roles and I'll let them say the sound sounds, but I'll be the pointer. I'll be the one that's pointing to the H and the O and the T while they say the sounds. Or maybe they say the sounds and I'm like, okay, which letter says that? Oh, it's this one. And I slide it into the first spot for them. Or, oh, you just said, ah, hmm. And then they get to kind of see that thinking modeled. So they're not doing all of it yet. Um, for some kids, this might be where they start. Maybe they are ready to say the sounds 
and you, you just need to point for them. Really, there's no right or wrong answer. It's getting to know your kids, getting to know what they need from you, and then kind of meeting them where they are. But as I've said, it should be documented. Even as a parent, I one time, this is a random story, but I had a parent who, um, I, I always give out my cell phone number. And so on a Friday, she called me of an evening and is like, oh my gosh, this, you know, my granddaughter, she got a hundred on her spelling test. And I think she cheated because I asked her to spell these words. She can't spell any of these words. And so communicating this, this level of independence at that time I was not doing, that would have been very valuable for her to know that, hey, I was saying all the sounds. She was just matching the letters from this, you know, bag that only had 10 letters in it. And so she was in panic mode, like, oh my gosh, I think my granddaughter cheated. And really it's like, oh no, no, no. She's not ready to spell those words on her own yet. I was providing a level of support, a layer of support in there to help her get a good grade on the spelling test, to help make progress. And our goal is independence. We're wanting to get to that. But I, I want you to understand she can't spell those words all on her own because look at all these parts that we're learning. We have to learn that words have beginnings, middles, and ends. We have to learn all of these letters and sounds and how to put them in all the right spots. We have to be able to break apart the sounds in a word. Even a small word like hot has three sounds. I have to be able to hear all three of those so that I can match those. So just being able to express that and let parents know or other teachers know what you're doing, I think is incredibly important for letting them know and understand what the child did on their own. I also think it gives us opportunities to celebrate like, hey, do you remember when I used to have to say all those sounds for you? Look at you, you just did that all on your own. So it's also a way for the child to see progress within themselves. Like, hey, this used to be really hard, but now this is what's happening. All right, I got a little derailed from my notes. So I'm gonna go back from the level of independence, go through and then pick up where I left off. So first, you might be saying the sounds and students are matching the letters to your sounds. You're doing the pointing, you're producing sounds. Later, the student might be able to point to the beginning, the middle, and the end, but they might still need you to say the sounds that are in the word. Later, it's kind of like that third level of independence. The student can say the sounds orally, but they might need you to point to the first, the middle, and the end. And some of that is just to help keep them organized, help keep them in the right spot. Um, for me, I see a lot of kids who they're like, oh, I gotta put a T in this word and they just put it anywhere and they don't realize that it goes at the end and they just put it at the beginning. So just helping them keep at, at a nice slow and steady pace, get the letters where they belong is important and sometimes they still need your support for that. The fourth layer is that the teacher produces the sounds two times and then the students on their own. So I like to do this a lot of times with my higher level second graders and my lower level third graders. I'm not gonna sit and say the word, you know, five times. I'm not gonna sit and say it for you two times and this student two times and this student three times and altogether the word's been repeated 10 times in that 10 minute spelling test. So kind of putting some parameters. 
I'm going to say those sounds two times and then you're on your own. And that is, you know, when you think back to I'm doing all the sounds, I'm helping them match the beginning, the middle, the end. That's incredibly independent to be able to, I'm going to say it a couple times and you're on your own. And then from there, I also have a spot where I produce the sounds one time and then the kids are on their own. Again, that's a lot of times what I do with those kids who are so, so close. They've, they've mastered a lot of that multitasking that comes with spelling and now they just need a little bit of a breakdown and now can rely a little bit on their own working memory to start matching those phonemes to graphemes. The second to last kind of step or level is that the students are using the letter tiles and they're doing all this, the saying of the sounds. They're doing all the pointing. They're doing all the matching. They do it all. Whether they orally produce those sounds, whether they're saying it in their head, they're capable of doing all that on their own. And a lot of times I start seeing this in the later part of the year with my third graders, my lower level third graders, and then definitely with my higher level third graders. And I really love to see this transition happen because one day it's like I said it a couple of times, another day I said it once, and then it's like all of a sudden you say the word, like let's use the example fish. I say, you know, number six is fish. And all of a sudden, it's like everybody in the group is saying, fish, and it's like it erupts with noise, but not, not me saying those sounds, them. They're starting to piece together like, oh, okay, I need to say fish, and then I can start matching those sounds. And it's like just a beautiful aha moment and honestly happens naturally. I have kind of taken away those supports. I've weaned them off of... Mrs. Wilp says every single sound, and she says it 15 times if that's what I need. But now she says it only a couple. Then she says it only once. And now she's not saying it at all. They do it. And it, it literally is like magic. If it's a group that has been together for a long time to where, you know, you're not adding that new one that needs your help and support. It's like all of a sudden, bam, they're able to say the sounds and start using their letter tiles to match those sounds. It's beautiful. I love it. It's like, you know, that like teacher melting heart moment the first time it happens. And then I just love to watch them grow more and more independent in them using their letter tiles. They're doing all the pointing. They're doing all the sounds. It's wonderful. I truly, truly love to see it just as they develop over the course of the year. And that brings us to the last and final level of independence, which is where they're not using letter tiles. I'm not making any sounds. They're just able to start really then what I would think of more as taking a true spelling test. The teacher says the word fish and you in your head are thinking, okay, what says f? You write down an F. What says I? Oh, that's an I. You write that down. What says SH? Oh, that's an SH. You don't need a bag of letters to let you know that, oh, it's an F sound. Or you don't have to copy some of those letters. You, they're able to do that independently. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad if they do need that visual to remember. What does an F look like? Which direction does this B or D go? Um, is it an I or is it an E? Oh, well, I don't have an E in my bag, so I guess it's an I. 
I'm not saying that that's bad, but that's just a different level of support than a student who can just whip those words out and they know the letters, they know the sounds, they can process where it goes in a word. They're able to do that. So that to me is truly independent spelling and is important for th that grandma that called me. If I had checked that and then she got home and she's like, hey, my granddaughter wasn't able to spell any of these, but you said she didn't use any letter tiles and she produced all the sounds. I think she cheated. I would probably have agreed, but I wasn't. I was making those sounds for her and she was using letter tiles. Two totally different levels of support and is incredibly important to emphasize and to help your parents kind of see and understand. And it prevents gen ed teachers from being like, well, no wonder they get a hundred. You give them all the sounds. All they have to do is make the sounds. Well, you're right. That should be communicated so that people know and understand what you're doing. And honestly, when I made this freebie for the show notes, this is when I started using it. I have not been using this all year even all semester. I'm just now kind of implementing that because it's like I saw it happening, but I wasn't communicating that. I wasn't letting others know that. I wasn't even tracking or documenting, hey, at the beginning of the year, I was saying all of this and I was doing all of this. And now look at you. You're doing all of this. You've made it up three steps to this. I'm not doing all that. So I think it's important both for you as the special ed teacher but anybody else who might see that spelling test and wonder, well, how did they get 100? Or, you know, this is like one of my highest kids and this is one of my lowest kids. How do they both get 100? But I know there's no way that they both spelled those words. So I hope that makes sense. Um, I, In my mind, somebody with an IEP goal that's nearly due is different than somebody who I just wrote that CVC goal for or I just wrote that goal for beginning blends. Two totally different ball games there. And as long as we can document it and kind of discuss that level of independence, that's okay in my book. So I hope that maybe you had a few aha moments of, wow, the kids really do go from here to here. That is kind of the progression. Or maybe you kind of realize that, but you're like, hmm, man, I should really probably communicate that with parents or other teachers or even letting some of your paraprofessionals know, it's okay to do this, but don't do that all year. Get them to the point where then they can do that. And then they take over this, this chunk or this skill. And then they take over this part of spelling because it is so, so much multitasking, so many things they have to do. And I don't think we should ask them to master all those things at one time, but rather piece by piece. Now, next week's episode is going to be a little bit different. I have recorded several of my groups and I'm just going to kind of give you a little information, like front load you and then play that particular part and then give you a little more information and then give you that recording. So it's going to be a little bit different, but I thought after all the things that we've talked about, especially some of those early episodes, episode number four is really what inspired me to add this at the end. So I'm excited for you to kind of hear what my groups look like, sound like, what we do, how we talk about different things. And it's not perfect. It's real life. So um, I hope you enjoy that. And I will see you in episode number eight. Well, my friend, 
that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.